Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 745 with Chris Schultz. You know, you start to read your own press clippings as a leader, uh, and you start to think you need to be something different than what got you here. And so for me, it, it's a gentle reminder that, you know, as I tell the story back in the day, I was, I was a, a dishwasher, but I was the CEO of the dish pit. So now I'm CEO of Voodoo Donna. It's no different, right? I still live my life and still have to be authentic to what I was when I was washing dishes. I just have different responsibilities now. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. What? is going on unstoppables we have chris schultz joining us on the show for a third time and uh, this is exactly what i'm talking about when i say i want to start going deeper with the experts the mentors in my corner the folks i've come across in the 700 plus interviews i've done on the show chris schultz is absolutely one of those dudes who i just resonate with uh i love everything that comes out of his, his mouth and i love the values he puts or the the emphasis he puts on his values of people first and um really what we're here to do today is to talk about what chris does best which is scaling so chris um, started with Starbucks. He helped scale Starbucks from a few hundred locations to thousands of locations. And then he went from Starbucks to Mod Pizza when Mod Pizza was just at a couple locations. I want to say no more than, I think they might have still been in the single digits when Chris joined them. And then he helped scale Mod Pizza to over you know hundreds of locations throughout the nation. And now he's doing the same thing with Voodoo Donut based out of Portland, Oregon. And uh, he's kind of carved a niche out for himself in the industry as, as being an expert on knowing how to scale and when to scale. And that's what he does best is helping great brands scale. So today we're here to talk about when you know or how to know you're ready to scale. And it's a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you guys want more episodes like this, then support the network. Uh, and if you want to join the conversation and being a part of the conversation and being a part of the transformation of our industry, join the network. Next week, we have Ari Weinswag coming back on the show. He was with us uh, a few weeks back to talk about visioning, uh, his exercise, uh, the four elements of a great vision. And now he's coming back to talk about anarchy in business. In translation, a rough translation Leaning into human nature in business is what we're going to talk about next week. So if you like the format of today's show, the Q&A afterwards, and you want to join the conversation, make sure you go head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com to join the network, be a part of the conversation. Uh, here it is, Chris Schultz, when you know you're ready to scale. I hope you enjoy it. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest back on the show. I think this is your Third time, Chris? Is it the third time on the show? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think it is. Back People on the start <laughs> back on the show for a third time, Chris Schultz. I got to ask you, Chris, are you feeling unstoppable today? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Anytime I get spend a little time with you, I'm unstoppable. Yes, thank you. Well, if you guys aren't familiar with the name Chris Schultz, Chris, this is Chris's third time on the show. Like we mentioned, uh, you got your start in the industry with. 
Starbucks, feel free to correct me at any time. You went from Starbucks. I think you helped them scale to how many locations? When you joined, they're in the hundreds, and then you, they were in the thousands by the yeah, time you left? Yeah, when I joined, they were just over 200. I left, there was 20,000. And you left for Mod Pizza. Uh, you helped, I think Mod was at like a, just a few locations. You helped them scale across the nation to hundreds of locations. And now you're doing the same with a Voodoo Donut. And uh, you're really, you've kind of carved a niche out for yourself as being somebody who's a, that helps brands scale. And that's exactly what we're uh, here to do today is to talk about uh, how you know you're ready to scale. And before we get into that topic, like always, it's a tradition here. We're going to get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Be authentic. Be authentic. Why is that resonating with you right now? Why are you bringing that to the conversation? It's really resonating with me. uh, For the last several years, failures on options kind of been my my marching orders and my marching orders of my team. And um, I think in today's world and, and brands and what's happening, I think in order to lead an organization, you have to be authentic. What does it mean train. to you to be authentic? I'm curious. Cause I feel like it, it's harder. It's easier said than done. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, like everything I do be you. Right. Um, I think I told the story about, you know, when I first uh, moved up the CEO of, of mod, and uh, I started with Mod at one store. So seven employees, one store. Um, I left, there were 4,000 employees and I think 200, almost 300 stores. Um, and, you know, you start to read your own press clippings as a leader uh, and you start to think you need to be something different than what got you here, right? Um, and so for me, it, it's a gentle reminder um, that, you know, as I tell the story back in the day, I was, I was a, a dishwasher. But I was the CEO of the dish pit. So now I'm CEO of Voodoo Donna. It's no different, right? I still live my life and stuff to be authentic to what I was. When I was washing dishes, I just have different responsibilities now. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's super important as we, as we grow the organization, as new people come on, um, that I'm not trying to portray the CEO. I'm, I'm just being Chris. I'm just being me. And I think people can see through it so quickly. So for me, being authentic is really my mantra. And, and uh Number two is gratitude. Be grateful. I love it. Great way to get this thing started. So again, we're here to talk today about how you know when it's time to scale, how you know you're ready to scale. So um, on that subject, we're going to be covering business, people, culture, infrastructure, why growth, selling your brand, and are you are you ready as a leader? Those are the, the, the that's an aerial view of today's conversation. So let's just pop it off. Business. Uh, what 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 do you mean by business? Why was that the first item you put on our list? Yeah, I, I think uh, for many businesses, you open one unit, whether it's a retail unit or a restaurant, it doesn't really matter what it is, and, and you're successful, right? And you really have to understand what a success means. In other words, am I on Main and Main? Is it truly the location or is it truly my brand, right, or what I'm selling? And you have to differentiate that stuff. And when you start to look at your business, is it scalable no matter where you go, is 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 that for, we talked about it before fall economics, right? Does will it stand on its own if it was if it was standing on its own, right? Um, for me, many times it's 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 the thought of well, I've opened one, I'm I'm moderately successful. Boy, if I open two, I can leverage I can leverage two now, right? And so if I'm making and we're going to make it up, ten percent profit, fifteen percent profit. Well, if I open two. Right now, I've got that much more profit in my pocket. So it's really understanding your business, understanding what your business looks like, and having strength of, of character and thought around: Is it really where I'm at, my location, 
or do I have a brand that can scale? And from a business sense, does it make sense? Have we looked at all of our numbers and really work, walked it through? And I will tell you, there's been several times throughout my career where we thought we were ready uh, and we, we gave another six months, eight months from a business perspective to ensure the business is there. And can you experience the highs and lows? Okay. So, so when I think of business, the, what comes to my mind is, is, is this a business or is this just an extension? I mean, I think your business should be an extension of you, but you have to be also careful because you can't, you can't, this is, you can't scale yourself. You know, you can through your people, but there can only be so many of you. Right. Um, so like, is your business scalable is kind of like what I think about it. Are there, are there systems and processes that I can duplicate? Is another thing that kind of comes to my mind. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that when you when we talk about infrastructure gotcha, and making gotcha, sure gotcha. laying the track in front of the train. I don't want to get um, ahead of you, but but for, <laughs> but for me, it's really about when you look at your business. Number one, do you want to do it? Right? Why grow? Yeah. Why? Right? I mean, some businesses are meant to be one or two or three. Some are meant to be one. You've got a good business. It's strong. It's healthy. You're making good profit. Um, You've got a great team. Your teams are developing, right? Why? What? Right? What's when you when you ask that question? Why grow? What do you see people sometimes in your experience when when they ask themselves that why and they give you an answer? What are some of the yeah. wrong reasons why you you've seen money, more money? Yeah, you know, just just directly. And, and what happens is people start to realize they want to grow for their people, but initially stepping out and just saying, I, I you know I think I've got a brand that can grow. I want to make more money. I'm making, I'm not making what I think I should make. I'm doing it. I'm having, I'm making a good living, but boy, if I had two or three of these and I just did the math, boy, I would really start to be very successful. Right. And so listen, that's obviously why we're all in business, right. To, to make a profit and, and you don't need to, we don't shy away from that. But I think if it's purely driven by money and purely driven by boy, I'm just going to make more shame on you. Um, I think it's a challenge. The other part is, you know, Ego's getting away, right? Because I, I think that all of us that are operators, truly operators, right, we have an ego. It, it comes with it, confidence, right? To be a great leader, you have to have confidence. And so many times you grow just because you're like, I just want to prove to myself I can do that. Um, careful, because a lot of people are counting on you, right? Your, your team members, the people in the stores, your family are counting on you to make those right decisions. So I, you know, for me, Growth is something that you tread very lightly in. Um, and, and for many folks, it's just not the right answer. It's really hard to go from one to two, and we'll talk about this, but to go to two to five is exponentially harder. Okay. So you can manage to. Yeah. Well, I'm, like you said, I'm sure we'll get into this, but in, in my notes that you shared with me, you said, don't be fooled by Maine on Maine. If you mentioned that already and I missed it, I apologize. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So don't be fooled. If, you have, if, you have, if your location is, right next to the entrance to the to university, right? If you're on Maine and Maine and any, any, any city around and your business is just hammering it, you're doing great. Careful understand, is it your location or is it your business? Okay. Right. I've been tripped in my past where we've opened a store in a market and we're on Maine and Maine and it just crushes it. Like, well, let's just go, let's just go open a ton of stores in that market. Right. Cause Boy, they're, they're really receptive to it. And ultimately, it, it just failed because we just thought no matter where we put it, people will love us. And and so we went to 6th and Main. It didn't really work. We're like, okay, but, but Main and Main still killing it. So they must love us. We just must have a bad leadership group. And we'd go somewhere else. And 
the reality was in both of the brands, it took time, right? And one of the brands, and, and, and unfortunately, both brands, Chicago was a market went to with both of my former brands that didn't work initially. Yeah, and I was going to say, I was thinking, like, I feel like I remember this from my conversations um, when, oh my God, the gentleman you introduced me to. Uh, Howard Bihar. Yes, this is in Chicago, it was with Starbucks. Where you, is that the time you're referencing? Yeah, right. Chicago. So for Starbucks, a great example, and, and I'm telling stories out of turn. They opened their first store at Oak and Rush. And if you're familiar with Chicago, that's Maine and Maine. It's in the Gold Coast, Oak and Rush, and, and it just killed it, right? And they were like, let's just go Blitzkrieg Chicago. Well, the Chicago market wasn't ready for them, and they weren't ready for Starbucks. And they had to spend some time introducing, I know it's funny to say today, but introducing folks to what Starbucks was. Mm. Yeah, but because, because it's a success on that first store, right? You're like, well, my goodness, and, and you had to do a reality check of what's making this business successful. Is it is it our offerings? Is it our execution? Is it location? Right. Um, so don't don't fool yourself sometimes into thinking, well, we have a home run, but we happen to be on the hottest corner, right by the entrance university, right by a stadium. Um, I think sometimes you can get misled. By, by that. And, and, you know, real life example, we're in Houston today. We just opened a store in Houston about six months ago. It's killing it. Nice. Destroying it. Um, and so the natural inclination is, well, let's just go put a bunch of new voodoo's in Houston. And, and I'm being very cautious because we're right on Maine and Maine. Yeah. Right. Standalone drive through. It's the perfect way to enter a market, but I'm not really sure that we now need to go Blitzkrieg Houston. We need to be thoughtful where we put the second one and the third one. Because people are people are coming because we're a beacon. Right? Yeah. People can't miss us. So I can't help but think in the back of my mind, and this is going to be my last question under the, the, the bullet of business before we move on to people. If you are on Maine and Maine and you are killing it and that's your only location, how do you know that it's just a location? What are the things, what are the clues that you would have that it's more than just your location? You know, that, that's a great question. If I had the perfect answer to it, <laughs> we probably wouldn't be on this podcast, right? I'd probably be on a beach somewhere, it's, you know, drinking. I don't have time for you, Eric, and your right? friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Get yeah, out I, of here. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think it, it's, it's really spending time looking at your customer base, understanding what your day flow looks like. And listen, anytime you open a second or a third, it's a risk. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be a risk. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're honest with yourself and you, you realize, boy, we've got a perfect location here. If we're going to go do number two, we need to we need to be thoughtful around that, right? And we can't just plop one in, you know, in, in the tertiary market or tertiary city, because we need to, to softly walk through it. Got and it. sometimes you just have to reinduce the brand. Got it. So um, let's move on to people. The next bullet on the list you gave me the things we're going to talk about today around when you know you're ready to scale. And before we get into that, just a quick reminder to the folks who have joined us recently. Uh, if you have any questions, keep in mind, we're going to answer all of your questions at the end. If you don't want to lose your question, if you don't want to forget your question, just throw it in the chat section right there. And at the end, raise your hand with the uh, raise your hand option. We'll be sure to get to you. Uh, so moving on people, what do, what do you mean by, well, obviously, like, I think it's kind of obvious, but in case it's not obvious for everybody here, what do you mean by people? Yeah, people, 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 right? Um, it's it's super important that that um, in my in my experience that when you're ready to grow, you need to ensure that you have culture carriers, right, inside of your business. Who are those folks that if you're going to open a second store or a third restaurant, a bar, retail, 
that are really the folks that can speak the brand. Who are your culture carriers? And sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. We haven't identified who those folks are. Okay. Right. Who are those folks inside your business that you say tomorrow, if I was not to be here, I would want them to do a team meeting. I would want them to speak to Eric about the brand. You have to have those. Okay. Before you even think about growing the business. And this came up in, in past conversations with you and I, those culture carriers are the people that when you are scaling, they're the ones that you're, that are an extension of who you are. You're like, you've recreated yourself and these people, they've drank the Kool-Aid, they get it, they bought in, they, they see the vision, they understand the mission and they love to share it and, and they live it. And then that's the person, because you can't be in all these places at once. So you got to find out who these people are and plant these seeds across your, your, your network. Yeah, they're, they're also the folks that when times are tough or challenging, you can lean on them, right? They'll, they'll, they'll maintain the, the I believe, I believe, I believe, right, in their own way. Um, you know, I don't want mini-me's. I want people that, that can understand my vision and translate it in their own words. Okay. Translate it in their business, right? Um, but I think people get ahead of yourself sometimes, and, you, and now you open a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth that you want to grow, and you haven't identified who those culture carriers are inside your business, or you've identified them and they don't know, right? Um, talk about being authentic. I'm very authentic with those folks in my in our business that are culture carriers, right? We take I take we take very good care of those folks, and it's not all financial, right? But it's I I take the time to ensure that I'm reaching out to them on a fairly regular basis. How you doing? When I go into a, one of our stores making sure I connect with those folks. And they're not always managers. 99% of the time, they're not managers. Those are the folks you need. The managers are on board because they see growth, they see opportunity, they see success. So eliminate your managers. Of your other staff, you have culture carriers inside the others, everybody else. Those are the keys because those are the folks that are going to be sharing the message as you grow amongst the hourly folks that work inside your units. Yeah. And on our, our list of talking points, you mentioned that you wanted to uh, touch on, do they understand the mission? Do we, do we jump over that by accident? Yeah. Or do you want to get into that? Sure, sure, sure. Do, do they really understand why, why you want to grow? You know, what, what's the objective? What, what's the, what's the goal? Um, for many of the folks, and, and I mentor a lot of uh, folks that are in the business that have uh, one or two units that want to grow. And I spent a bunch of time mentoring a few of those folks that call me um, and almost all of them say, you know, I have one or two people in my business that want to grow and I'm not, and I want to grow them. So I want to open a second store to give them opportunity. Right. Um, do they know that? Do those individuals know that, that what's your mission is your mission. And again, they don't need to see the big picture. That's, that's you as the proprietor CEO. Right. But do they truly understand where you're going and where you're headed and why we're opening another unit What's their role in it, right? Um, you know, like like everybody on a great team, everyone has to know their role. And I think it's it's really important as you think about growing your business. Are are your players do they understand their role in growing that business? Yeah, and and that comes with a responsibility. So earlier you mentioned that sometimes you've identified who these these culture carriers are, and you know it, but you haven't communicated it to them. Yeah. Um, is that a good thing? I mean, I, I was wondering if that like was going to come full circle. No, I said that's horrible. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. That's horrible. So in all the businesses that, that I've been involved with recently, Starbucks had a, a – um, I forgot even the name of it. They had a team of folks that were hourly folks that were identified as culture carriers, and we'd open a new store, a new market, 
they would go. Okay. When we were at uh, when I was at the pizza company, we had what we called the all stars, and the all stars again were hourly folks throughout the company who were identified. If we're going to open a store, they would conduct training. They maybe came in if we had an issue in multiple units. So we also they were kind of the the, the target team where if we had an issue. We lost the store for whatever reason. We lost the culture. We'd fly in a couple of these culture carriers. Uh, at Voodoo, we have the Friar Flyers, uh, and they're they're a group that's identified. You know, they not only conduct the training in the stores, but they are truly the culture carriers, and they know that responsibility. And again, once a month, we have a call with them. I try to join those calls as often as I can. And most of my time spending with them is not giving them housekeeping, but really letting them know how important they are to the organization. Okay. And awesome. how much we value them and really their role ultimately at, at the store on any given day is to really, again, embrace the culture, embrace who we are, understand our core, our core values, understand how we treat each other, to call me out, right, um, when I'm not living, living the, the, the culture. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's why it's so important that we write these things down and we, and we share them and we, we open the channel of communication with people and say, Hey, if you see me not doing these things, like you got to let them know, you got to give them the right of way to say, correct me when I veer off course. You know, uh, I think that's so important. Um, I think we talked about it. You know, my, my phone number, my cell phone or my personal cell phone number is up in every unit by the schedule. Um, at mod, it was the same way. 300, 300 stores, I had my, my personal cell phone number by the schedule. And I would tell the, the collective team, listen, if we're not living our values and I'm not living our values or we're not doing that, call me. Call me. Yeah. And uh, call me on it. And, and I would receive, uh, you know, you can imagine, several phone calls uh, that are rather challenging. But it's, again, be authentic, right? You have to walk the talk. Awesome. And I hope you guys don't mind my click clack. I'm taking notes as we're talking. I love this stuff. Um, so uh, the only other thing before we move on beyond before we move beyond people, like what 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 do you do to, to remind yourself that you constantly have to be communicating, that you constantly have to be bringing these core values, the mission, the vision uh, to the surface? And, and like, how do you echo those things day in and day out to make sure everybody gets it? Yeah, you know, again, is that it's the fast, next step? Is that culture? Should we hold off for that? That's it. That's okay. the next step. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, that that's part of it. So let's right? move to the next bullet in the script. Yeah, 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 Culture, yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that that um, for me at least, right, it's just the way I live my life, and I'm not a different person when I'm at work than I am at home, than I am as a brother or a friend. Right, I'm the same person, and and the folks inside of my organization. Our head of communications always lasts because, you know, I'm not book smart, right? I'm an operator, so I'm always going to be me. And and so for me, it's I had to, it was a learned it was a learned aspect of of, of my um, skill set, and it was at Starbucks where I learned it, right? Walk the talk, be authentic, be transparent. I worked for some great leaders who would continue to remind me, don't say what they want to hear, tell them the truth. Yeah. And I, think, I think it's really important. Um, some people might get discouraged if they're not book smart and they might think to themselves, I'm not cut out to ever be a leader. I'm not cut out to do any of this stuff. We're yeah. As we learn more and more about ourselves, humans, we're starting to realize there's so many different forms of intelligence. And some of the most badass people I've had on the show aren't necessarily book smart, but they have incredible social and emotional intelligence. Um, 
so like how does that like i mean just you want to reflect on that just real quick i know we're supposed to be talking about culture right now but i just kind of like don't go don't cut yourself short you know like, how, like yeah i mean so i you know i think we talked about this one of the other times i didn't go to college yeah. i don't have a college degree i don't have any high now i worked with a lot of folks who have very nice college degrees from very nice schools i don't yeah right i literally barely got out of high school because i i failed my spanish class right and had to go back after graduating to get my degree yeah um so for me i learned because i worked in restaurants and i asked people like you and i was on before even podcasts right i call people to tell me hey i'm stuck what do you think right before podcasts it was a network that existed when you just listen mm. and you ask questions and um what you know one of the one of my great mentors always tells me ask more questions and talk less mm-hmm. absolutely uh, because I have a habit of kind of soapboxing and going. And <laughs> you ask me for a five-minute comment, I'll talk for 35 minutes. Um, but the reality is, I, for me, that's that's the gut check. Yeah. Right? The gut check yeah. for me is being grateful and recognizing that every day that I get to do this with Voodoo today is, is a day that I'm super grateful for. So under this idea of um... – culture you, you write you must have a solid culture to grow and employees want to grow so how do you create that culture of wanting to grow yeah yeah that that's really that's really a, a key component right um who is your company what do you stand for and what do you what do you what do you stand for right so we sell donuts we sold pizza we sold coffee that's just an avenue to 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 the consumers right but what do we stand for who are you right um and I think inside your business, especially in today's world, especially with the folks we're hiring today, they're not working for a paycheck. Listen, they're working to get paid, but a paycheck is not their biggest driver. They want to understand that you as a company stand for something or will we'll, we'll take care of something or have a representation or have a mantra. They have to believe there's something bigger than certainly just coming to work for a paycheck. Okay. So I think I might be missing the tie to how this, what, what, what is this, how does this tie to growth mentality though? Yeah. So for me, unless you've identified that inside your business, so you know what it is all about. In other words, we're going to be a, we're going to be a, a, a cause for good, right? We're going to give some back to the community. We're going to, we want people to grow and develop. We're going to have a great training program. We're going to provide the best product. We're going to do all natural product because we think that's the way of the business. I think in order to grow, your teams have to understand that. Okay. The folks around the business have to understand what that culture is and what that mantra is. So what's coming into my mind as I listen to you share this is that when you think of that growth mentality, it's not growing the business, the tangible sides of the business, as much as it's growing the values and the mission and the, the, the change you want to make in the, the world. If you can grow that message and the, that impact you want to have, and if you, if you can grow that, then naturally the other growth comes. Is that kind of what yeah, I mean? That's a foundation, right? Okay. So imagine building a house. We're not going to start building bedrooms until we build a foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And many times in growth, we start thinking about, well, how big is the master bathroom going to be? What's the mirror, you know, what's the laundry room look like? What's the mudroom look like? And we never really think about what's the foundation in which we're going to put this on because the, the stronger the foundation, the more rooms you can put on the house. Okay. So right. I'm so happy you're saying this right now, Chris, because of like the first two workshops we had, we had Ari Weinswag from Zingerman's join to talk about visioning. We had Rudy Mick come from Mick Consulting, who's helped 
thousands of people talk about the power of core values. And we still need to find, if you know who the, who's the mission and vision or the mission and purpose person out there, do you know who's the person I got? There's so many people that know about that, but who does oh, it? There's the best? so many people. I know there's we got to so find that person, but you're, you're reinforcing yeah. like we're, there's a reason why we started here. Cause you have to lay that foundation before you can do anything else. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to build a, you know, you'll, you'll build a big house that ultimately will crumble. Yeah. It's like building the house on the edge of a cliff in California. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to end well. <laughs> and so for us, you know, when I, when I joined just an off top story, when I joined Voodoo, they, were, they thought they were ready to grow. Right. But I had to spend two years rethinking about the foundation. Mm. Right. Did we have the right people in the right place? Was the message right? Did the stores understand it? And once we felt like we had that in place, we started growing the business, right? And since then, we've opened four units in the last 18 months. We're about ready to open a fifth next week, right? So we're now we're growing, but it really took for me, with a company that's been in business for 15 years, it was very successful, Yeah. right? Very successful. But they were building houses on a, on a, on a foundation that was ratchety, right? Um, and so you have, we had to do the foundation building first, and literally that took almost 18 months or two years. And once we did that, now we can start laying the rooms on top. What did that um, process look like? I'm really curious. When you when you came on board and you identified that there was a foundation that needed some reinforcing, yeah. what, what where did you start? How did you know where to start? Yeah, you, you, know, you, you ask a lot of questions and you listen. Yeah. Right? You provide less direction and, and you listen. Mm. Right? It's very easy. I'm an operator. I, I tend to jump right in the middle of it and fix problems, right? That's an operator, you fix it. Um, I think, you know, for me, when I first came, we had to listen, ask a lot of questions, why, why, why? Um, and, and quite frankly, do some evaluations of the people in the business. Were they ready for growth? Were they found, Were they the foundation that we could build on? Um, and it, it, listen, it's, it's very tedious, it's very time consuming. Um, I will tell you, there are folks on the business say, can't we grow faster? Right? Why are we opening five or six units now? We can. Financially, we were in good position, but we just didn't have the foundation. And we're still working on the foundation. Yeah, We're still kind of refining it and, and, and really getting ourselves so we can we can grow to a much bigger organization. Ultimately. Yeah. So when you say failure is not an option, you, you, you <laughs> put that as a, a bullet here that we had to talk about this. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think uh, you, you react and, and listen, for some folks listening on this, failure's not an option, I'm sure, for many people because you have one, two, three, four, whatever number of units. And, and your philosophy is, well, I'm going to do everything I can to ensure success. Yeah. Right? Everything I can. I will tell you I've met a lot of those folks. <laughs> and although it's it's great, and I think they, they inside themselves they believe that, but it's very different when you row the boat ashore and burn the oars. Yeah. Gotcha. Right? So, and, and I can't tell you how many times, especially at, 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 when I was with Mod, we went all in, right? All of our resources, everything we had, because we believed in it so much, you've got to be willing to go all in. Gotcha. And when you're willing to go all in, right, failure is just simply not an option. It's just not. And I, and I remember a couple of times, you know, at, at, uh, and it's hard to believe now, Starbucks and even at Mod, where all of our resources, all of our financial resources, everything, we were all in. Mm-hmm. We we're going to open a store. And we we're all in, all and right. and it had it had to succeed. It just had to. So how do you communicate uh, that we're all in? Like, what's the trick to getting people? Because like, you can be all in, but how do you make sure your people are all in too? Well, I think it's got to start with you, 
right? Okay. If you're all in, people see it. People understand it, right? Um, and that's not working extra hours or unclogging the toilets. Of, of course, we all do that because that's part of, you know, that's just part of business, right? All in meaning mind, soul, body, spirit. I'm just in, and I'm I'm not gonna let this fail. That means when you're when the phone rings at eight o'clock in the morning because it's an employee that just wants to talk about they didn't get their hours. Are you willing to accept that phone call all the time? Yeah. So again, not just one or two times, but all the time. So again, the, the the purpose of this conversation is to understand how you know you're ready to scale, and then the idea yeah. that is. Are your people all in? Are, are Am I going alone or are we going together is kind of what's coming into my mind. Yeah, and, and, and it's important because, again, I think we all get comfortable where we're at and we start thinking about growth and it's panacea. And your world really changes, right? And I say that and everybody goes, oh, of course it does. No, no, no. Exponentially, it doesn't change 100% because you open one more store. It's 200%, mm. right? Because now you've got one operating and there's things there. Now you've got to worry about the construction, design, right? So, um, and every little, right? Retail is detail. Mm-hmm. I love it. So everything matters. I'm loving this conversation. I'm just looking at our list. We've covered business. We've covered people. We've covered culture. We still got to talk about infrastructure. We still got to talk about why growth. We still got to talk about selling your brand. And are you ready as a leader? So we got to move the conversation forward. It's, I'm well, getting sucked no, in. We, it's good. We, <laughs> what's what's that? We've touched on We've touched on some of those, so we can... Okay, cool, cool. So when you say infrastructure, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so so infrastructure is really a, a key component, right? It's laying the train before the track, right? And so, so many people start to think about, well, I, you know, I'm going to grow to two. I need an accountant, and I need, a, you know, and I need a, a, an HR person, and I need a marketing department, and I, and I need, and I need, and I need, right? And you... And I think you have to sit back and really think what's the most important thing to our business today that we need from an infrastructure perspective to help us open the next one. Okay. Right. We'll worry about the next one when we get there. I'll give you a great example. Even today at Voodoo, I'm the head of real estate. I'm the head of construction. Um, I still fill those roles. Right. And we're a $35 million company. Um, at Prior at the, at, the, at the pizza company, we were 15 or 20 stores strong before we started even layering any infrastructure. We didn't have an office in Mod, a, a central office, until store 12. Wow. Right? Because, and then when we did, we needed to start to identify, okay, what's going to get us the next, the next store and maybe the store after the afternoon infrastructure perspective? But some people, I think, start to layer in overhead. Yeah. So Or, or the opposite. Don't lay an overhead. Got you. And burn people out. But there's a balance. Like, it sounds like, you know, people, because, I mean, I hear what you're saying. A lot of times people think, I got to build the framing before I move in, right? But they, they aren't quite ready to, to build that framing because all that framing, those are all liabilities. And if you don't have the cash flow to support the liabilities yet, then is that kind of like you're stretching yourself a little bit? You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. You don't want to get too far ahead of your skis. Yeah. Both, both ways, right? Not too far ahead of your skis, but also be, be realistic, right? How many ways can you cut yourself? Okay. Right? So the important, so, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So I think there's a happy balance there, right? Identify you as a leader, what you're really good at. So I'll, as an example, I'll just personal. I'm not a finance person, right? I'm just you. not. I'm an operator. So I knew when we started to grow, especially at the, at the pizza company, I, I needed someone really strong in finance to, to kind of 
step through this with me, right? And that was infrastructure we had to lay pretty quickly because okay. I, it just wasn't one of my core competencies. Okay. Right. Um, I could do supply chain. I can negotiate contract. I could do all of that. So we didn't really need that right now. Gotcha. But boy, we we needed a finance person. So um, you you do have to build out but you don't have to build out all at once, build out where you need it the most. And that's case by case, depending on what you already have. Right. And, and what you're most comfortable managing, right. As a CEO or as a proprietor, what do you, what do you comfortable? A lot of folks layer in HR very early on in, in, in their growth. Um, you know, Voodoo, we just brought an HR person on six months ago. Yeah. So we were 600 employees, but I felt really comfortable. I could manage that. And we weren't quite ready for that, yeah. right? But I knew at 500, 500 employees or so, that was a cutoff. We needed, we needed somebody in, in role. This is, this is why I think it's so important that on day one, when it's just you and your partner, you write out that organizational chart, right? Because even though you don't have all those roles like hired yet, somebody still has to do it. And then you start looking at all these things that you're doing that you're not really that good at. And it's really important. Like that's how you start prioritizing, creating urgency around how we scale. You have all these things already written down, written down on day one. And now, as you start growing, as in, as 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 people, you get the right people on board. You get the the cash flow increases. Now you can start checking off all those those um, titles that you've created in your organizational ch- your organizational chart. That you you no longer have to do these things because you're not the best person to do it. Right. Right. And and listen, human nature. You go back to what you like the most. So when you're stressed, you're going to go right back to the thing you like to do the most. And sometimes that's not the area the business needs the most attention. Yeah. And, and you put a bullet here that having utility players is a huge role oh, yeah. in infrastructure. So why is that so important? Yeah, you, you've got to have folks that can wear multiple hats, right? You just have to. Somebody that can, that can cover a little HR, cover a little training, cover a little bit of marketing, right? Um, we, even today... With us, um, I, I don't have anyone that's really focused in one area, right? Everyone's got to be able to cover different areas throughout the business, especially at our size. You know, we have 10 units, so we're not that big. And I know I say that jokingly because we're just not that big. We have 10 units. We're in six states. Um, so although that feels big, it's really not that big. So you've got to have people inside your business that say, I could do a little marketing. I could do a little bit of social media. I could do a little bit of paperwork HR. Um, you know, I have someone who works for me, our, my admin, and I say that she's the head of IT. Okay. Right? So my admin's head of IT, and she's the head of benefits. Yeah. Right? And I have an HR person, but so I think you have to identify those folks that are willing to understand that in this growth mode where you're at, Everyone's got to do certain things. The lean, the word that's coming to my mind is just lean. You know, like you have a diverse group of people working for you. Like, what do they bring to the table that you don't even know? And again, it's it's the power of writing down all these roles on that organizational chart and just putting names next to them. And when that person yeah. gets overwhelmed or overloaded, you can start you know filling people in as you have the cash flow to do it. And we're talking. I think this is a really cool uh, note we have here. You say layer in operators and finance first and then marketing and HR. Why that approach? Yeah, maybe that's my personal view, right? Um, but operators and finance, right? You've got to execute the stores, right? The reality is word of mouth, marketing is great. And my marketer, I had a marketing will kill me for this. But the reality is your word of mouth inside your people are your biggest marketers. Mm-hmm. Whether you're one store or 500, 
your marketing department is inside your unit. Mm -hmm. And the people working behind the counter or working with their customers, that's your marketing department. Yes, four there walls just marketing. To be someone above it that kind of coordinates it, right? And the, and the stronger folks you have inside your units, the stronger marketing department you have. Mm. So in the early days for me, that's a piece of the puzzle. As long as the team understands what's going on and you've totally communicated, they're, they're marketing for you, right? Mm. Even on their own Instagrams and their own social media, they're not telling about what great place they work at or what they do. So that's the marketing department. Um, I'm a little, I'm an operator. So from an HR perspective, right, I'm an operator. So I, of course, I think I can do everything because I'm an operator. Yeah. Um, but I also think, again, if you're really clear with your expectations, you're really clear as a leader, um, you have, you don't have a lot of HR. We don't, today we still don't have a lot of HR issues. We have a few and they pop up. Um, but the reality is as long as you're transparent and willing to answer, I, I think for me, that's something you put off for a little bit. As yeah. long as you're doing all those, all the regulatory things you need to do. Yeah, I think that's again goes back to core values and uh, why it, the core values and just hiring, right? If you if you're hiring slow and firing fast and, and you're establishing a code of conduct and policy and like you're, you're communicating the way to be, the way to act, what's what's allowed, what's not allowed, you, you can kind of you know take care of a lot of you can weed out the the HR problems, right? Yeah, they kind of self manage. They self manage yeah. themselves. Yeah. So I think we can uh, move on to the next bullet you shared with us. And, and you have here written down why growth is the next thing we need to talk about <laughs> why growth. So I think we kind of already touched on this a little bit. Like, why do we grow? And I asked you, like, what's the wrong reason to grow? And you said cash right. um, to get more money. But what are the right reasons to grow? To give people opportunity. Right. To give your teams yes. people that work really hard that, you know, you ultimately know they're going to leave you. Yes. But they're going to go somewhere else for growth, right? Uh, you know, the restaurant business or, or the retail business is very interesting business because, you know, I'm a living example. Where you can start as a dishwasher and become a CEO of a, a very popular, well-known brand in the country, right? Um, people are looking for growth. And without growth, they become stagnant. They just don't – they start looking up and going, what's tomorrow going to bring? Oh, the same as today. Yep. And right. when, I love this when I, when I, I say all the time, I echo it all the time. Cash flow and people is what determines growth. And when, you, when I say people, it's like when you're, when you feel like you're busting at the seams and everybody, like all the, 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 when people have hit a ceiling and they don't have anywhere to go. And now that there's people behind them, there's a traffic jam of people growing. Like that's your cue of saying, if I don't, if I don't give this person that's the AGM an opportunity to become a, G, a GM someplace, then they're going to go be a GM for somebody else, and I'm going to lose that opportunity to grow. Right. And, that, and it, it's when you're bursting at the seams that I feel like is, is your cue, right? That's it. And the other one is first to market. If you have a product that, that no one else is doing, right, no one else is doing it, and you're, you're like, listen, we have a niche here. We're doing something that no one else is doing. And we we've got it. We've got to hit while the iron's hot, right? We've got to move because, you know, as, as we've seen, right? Something opens up, fast casual pizza. We mod was the very first one in two thousand and nine. Right now, there's I call it fifty fast casual pizza concepts out there. Um, so if you're doing something new or unique, you need you need to leverage that because someone's going to knock you off, right? The internet is such now that I can tell you about a brand that's down in Florida that I've never visited. And I can tell you more about that brand just by watching videos and, and I can knock that brand off. Yeah. Fairly I, I agree with you. If you have something unique and you have something new, there's something huge 
was it Benson's number or something like that? Like the idea, like, yeah. like, yeah, it shows up there. Like if you're the first one to market, like there's something that's really important. Like if you, you can be almost twice as much as number two, you know? Um, and it's, it's real. But at the same time, I think people think that their, their idea is so unique, so special, uh, that they rush this to grow because they're afraid that they won't be first to market. And I think they can yeah. get in trouble with that too. Is that, well, sense? yeah, I mean, listen, no one, no one remembers MySpace. Yeah. Right. Right. MySpace was first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Facebook did it better. Yeah. And I, that's, that's the key right there is like, don't focus on, I, like it is, there's something to be said about being first market, but there's also something to be said about being good at what you do. You know, don't, don't, I don't like, do you just, when do you know not to sacrifice being first market or how do I say yeah, that? Like, it, it, it's, it's hard, right? It's very, very difficult. And you, and you have to do a reality check when you look in the mirror, right? Are, are we ready? Right. Or in, in, in doesn't make sense for us to grow. As I said before, one to two is hard. Two to five is crazy. Right. Five to 25, it kind of settles out. And then 25 to 100 is unbelievably difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's weird how those steps occur. Right. Because you kind of get used to running from five to 20. You kind of get used to running it and you're laying in infrastructure and everything feels pretty good. And now you're like, okay, let's go. And I'll just tell you from personal experience, it, you know, again, in my history, I've opened 81 company operating stores for three years in a row. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm so tempted to pull back layers here, but I want to make sure we leave room for Q and a, but yeah. I, I have to ask like one or two, when you're going from that five to 10, you said that that's crazy hard. And then from 10 to like 25, it starts to smooth out, but then to like 25 to a hundred, it gets crazy again. Um, yeah. when, from the five to 10, what is it? What are the unique challenges that you come across from five to 10 that make it so hard? Same question from 25 to a hundred. Yeah. Cause f- five, you think you've got to figure it out. Okay. Right? So like complacency five, kicks in. Yeah, I mean, you've, well, you've got some infrastructure in place. Things seem to be going well. You wouldn't even consider growth after five unless you're you're financially in good shape. You've got some capital. You've got you've got a process you think on identifying locations. So you're feeling pretty comfortable. And then the reality is you throw up a, a clunker, right? Uh, in store eight or store nine, it's just a terrible store. Okay. So you start right. thinking like maybe your ego is getting the best of you and you think maybe like I can do Sometimes. it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, and I, I, I'll fully admit I've opened a few where I thought that's a great location. I can't miss. I've opened five great ones. That one can't miss. And we open it and it's crickets. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And so you've got to be prepared from five on that. You're going to have a couple of those because you're not going to bat a hundred. Mm-hmm. Right. And do you have the infrastructure, the capital, the wherewithal? The throw up a clunker because the first five you're probably really focused and every store is like a you know a string of pearls and you're focused on it and then about store 10 you, you kind of lose a little bit because you're busy running the other nine and so that's where it gets exponentially hard and then okay. the other one is truly how do you how do you just replicate right because now you're in replication at 25 now you're just in replication mode right and so and it's really hard to turn the ship at 25 it's hard to replicate so people too process. Yeah. Right. So you change your process and now you're at 25 and boy, is it hard to turn the ship. Mm. Right. Um, so when change, you when you have to implement perfect. change, it becomes that much harder. Yeah. And, and now you've got to have a whole team that's focused on how do we implement change, change management. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Thank you. I'm happy we got into that. I'm happy we got into that. Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, anything else? I think under why growth, we have growth isn't necessarily an indicator of success. And this is the one thing I want to make sure we talk about in growth. Cause I think that, I don't know if it's a cultural thing where we think it, it, like in America, bigger is better. The more I have, the more things I have, the more cash flow I have, the more money I have, the happier I'm going to be. And it's like drugs, man. You'll never get enough. You're always going to get to that next thing. You'll acclimate to it. And then you need the next hit. You need the next thing to like, so like that, that's the best way I can think of how, how to describe it. So how do we yeah. communicate yeah. that? It's like, it's like having chevrons on your sleeve right you want to have a bunch of chevrons and and you know historically what i what i speak whether it's here in groups listen there's no there's no denying what i share that i was at starbucks we grew to twenty thousand stores and at mod 300 stores and booty's growing five stores a year right i walk along with a little bit of a peacock right because look at what i've done um but i will tell you if, if everything if everything went away tomorrow i just go back and open one and make it kick ass and super successful i just pictured a peacock with a chris schultz head walking around it's a little awkward yeah listen i I, (laughs) i have to remind myself that's the gratitude piece right um i'm only as good as my team and the brands that i that i've worked with and worked for um it's the brands that have done it i i've just been a i've been lucky enough and blessed enough to be part of really great brands um, along the way work for work with some really good people. Yeah. Um, so I think we're, we're good to move to the next bullet. You wanted to make sure we talked about, uh, or we spoke about, which is selling your brand. And just a quick reminder, if you guys we're we're getting close to that Q and a, so any questions you have in your head right now, things that you were hoping we would discuss, I didn't pull back enough layers. This is the whole point of bringing you guys in so we can really make sure um, that we're, we're, we're pulling back all the layers. I'm connecting the next generation of leaders with this generation of leaders. So start getting those questions written down and we'll get to them soon. So the next thing we want to talk about is selling your brand. So what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and we all do it. We think we do it expedite, right? We talk great about our brand, right? But, but the reality is, we just talked about a little bit that marking the people inside your stores, right? If you don't believe in it, no one's going to believe it. If there's a sink in your armor, trust me, investors, no one's going to believe it, right? So I, I I don't always talk about the four-wall economics of Voodoo. I talk about what a great brand it is. Mm-hmm. Here's our people. Here's what we're doing. Here's the fun we have. Here's the difference we're making, right? I don't always go back and, and, and talk about literally just the economics of it right because economics will speak for itself you know you're ready because economically you're doing well but what is a brand what's your brand story and i think whenever you're thinking about bringing on investors or bringing on other capital partners right talk about the brand first here's why we're better here's why we're going to grow here's why we're successful okay so when you and then, so when you say brand okay. i think a lot of that word might not carry the same weight or meaning for certain people. But when I think yeah, yeah. of the word brand, I want to make sure we're aligned here. When I think of the word brand, I think a brand is an extension of who you are. A brand is the, the values, the vision, the mission that that's the brand, correct? Totally. And your people. Yeah. Right? So, and people. so what you're saying is you believe in the thing that you're trying to execute. It's not I me mean, is brand colors and imagery and all that stuff and tone and voice. Yeah. <laughs> But I think what, what you're saying is when you're communicating brand, you're communicating the, the soul, the mojo, the, 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 yeah, the good you stuff. Know, yeah, a little, a little, again, story. I was with Starbucks. We were opening our first store in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we were doing a job fair. I'm working a job fair. Um, we had no one show up for a job fair. 
zero, zero applicants. Now imagine today Starbucks opening a store and getting zero applicants, right? And I remember an old guy opening the door up and he said, Starbucks, where are you from? And I said, we're out of Seattle. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, sell coffee. And the guy said, hey, best of luck to you. I was like, no, no, hold on. Let me tell you what the brand's all about, right? It's a third place. We hire people. We pay them fair. We provide benefits. The gentleman then left, and he, and he in turn now, he was telling his grandkids and people around, you should go apply to work there, right? Okay. I didn't so talk about anything more than what the brand and what the culture, what, the, what, what it really was all about. Okay. I love it. So, so what, so what changed in that moment is first you said we sell coffee and then you correct. Uh, did you say for, I sell coffee? Is that? Yeah. At first I was like, we okay. just, we sell coffee. And literally the guy just kind of tipped his hat to me. He was like, Oh, best of luck to you. Think yeah. about, you know, and then you're never going to survive. What happened in, inside of you in that moment? It's like, listen, I'm, I'm shortchanging the brand. Yeah. I'm not talking. He asked me, he, he didn't ask me what you're going to do. He said, Starbucks. Oh, I, I don't know that. Right. Yeah. What, what is all, and I was like, well, we sell and I, in my head, I had to stop and say, wait a minute, we're not just selling coffee, right? We're hiring people back in that day. We're part, providing benefits to part-time employees that no one was doing. Um, yeah. And so those are the kind of things that, because I wanted this person to be a fan of the brand. He was not going to be an investor, yeah. right? He was just going to be a customer. Yeah. And I think that's a really great lesson that we don't sell tangible things. I mean, we, we do, that's the product, but really what we're selling is the emotion and the feelings to that person tied to that. Yeah. Thing, right. Yeah. That connection. Yeah. So w when you say why franchising works, you, you also, you, underselling the brand, you talk about why franchising works, uh, brand based companies are different licensing and licenses, uh, and company operated or yeah. What do you, what yeah, do you mean? So, so right. There's, 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 you know, three different ways to grow your brand. You grow as a, as a privately held or as a company operating stores, you license your brand, right? And, and I, I think some people get um, licensed and franchising confused, right? The terms, very confused, right? There's a pure definition to both. Um, you know, you can license if, if whatever, whoever you're licensing to, you're not more than 20% of their total volume of sales, okay. right? If it's more than that, then you have to franchise, Okay. right? Franchise is much more strict, right? Much more challenging to do um, just because you have to have all your filings. It's just really difficult to do. And I think when you think about growing, you have to think about where you want to grow and how you want to grow it. I've been part of a three three most recent brands. Um, Starbucks never franchised, only licensed. Mod, uh, Mod was a franchise, part franchise, and only about 20% of the overall store numbers are franchised. And at Voodoo, we, we license and we license thoughtfully. Um, we're, we're only licensed at Universe Studios in Orlando and LA. We've had a couple of opportunities and, and I've said no to those. Um, but you have to understand when you franchise, you're going to give up some of your brand. Okay. So I'm a little confused because you said that franchising works, but it sounds like you're leaning towards licensing right now. Am I missing something? Well, franchise works in the fact of you can grow fast. Okay. Really fast, right? Because... You're, you're giving the onus to someone else and it's all their headache and you're just getting a percentage of, of their sales. And so for a lot of businesses, franchise really works, but you have to be willing to just give up a little bit of your brand. Okay. Because you're, I'm loaning, it's like giving giving my brand to you, Eric, to go open a Chris's hot dog stand. Yeah, not everyone's an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And so there, there are some good franchise groups out there, right, who, who say, listen, I'm not an inventor, but I can, I can operate your brand phenomenal, mm -hmm. right? 
I just, when I, when I think about that, I, I always share, be thoughtful on what you're going to do when you choose those. You, yeah. Many times you can't choose li- licensing unless you're going to go work with the Targets or the Walmarts or the Barnes & Noble, right? Because they make their total income not off of your small brand, okay. right? So licensing is very hard to find those opportunities where you're licensing versus franchising. So I'm going to use this moment to do a little bit of research for future episodes of Restaurant Unstoppable. When it comes to franchising versus licensing, I think that'd be a great conversation. That'd be a great conversation. Who do I need to talk to? Who is our person? I know you. Your oh, network's that's, a, deep. that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> let you me can sit on that. that. Yeah, I'm going to come back yeah, to let you. Me, let me think about yeah, that. for sure. But I, I think that'd be a really great conversation. So uh, I think we can move on to Are You Ready as a Leader, which is the last bullet we're going to talk about today before we go to the Q&A. Yeah. So are you ready as a leader? Break that down. Yeah, well, we talked about it, how hard it is, right? To your point, you've said it many times, you can't be everywhere, right? Are you Are you willing, ready to delegate? Are you willing to give up some responsibility, right? Are you willing to trust? Because for many, many entrepreneurs, right, the stores, the restaurants, the retail stores, they're like a child, right? And, and you have so much love and compassion for them. Um, you reach a point in time where you have to give up some of that, mm-hmm. right? And you have to trust because you can't be, you can't be everywhere, you know? You just can't be everywhere. So what is the, so, what is the key to giving up that trust? Like what is the like what happens to what, what makes giving up that or being willing to trust easier? Yeah, at least for me, I just speak from a personal perspective. Confidence. Confidence in my in my ability to hire the right people, confidence in my ability to give them the right direction and to give them enough confidence in myself in in, in allowing folks to ask questions and to make mistakes because they're going to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And I think and that having confidence to, to allow them to do that, having the confidence to, to allow them to do that. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't help but think too, just this idea of like it, when you recreate yourself with these systems and processes and procedures in the infrastructure that we talked about, right now you trust that you've given them the tools to be able to do the job, like, because you recreated yourself in those, those systems and those processes too. That's just, I mean, do you want to reflect on that? Yeah, I, you do, you do, but, but, like like all good leaders, right? Um, you tend to tend to always think, "Well, I would have done it differently," right? I always, I I constantly have to check myself because we'll make a decision or someone will make a decision. I'm like, "Well, I wouldn't have done it that way," but I I've got to I've got to count to ten, right? And realize they're making decisions in the bubble and what's where they're at, and and help them help that group, right? Whoever it is. Feel comfortable with making decisions, making mistakes, allowing us to grow. Um, and that's where I think I go back to that. I'll tell you, as an early leader in my career, I was terrible at it. Terrible. What changed? Right? I, had, I had to be involved in every single decision. Everything. What changed? Uh, that's a great question. I think what changed is, is a couple people called me on it. Being right. aware, not, being not, not just not just mentors or leaders, people that worked with me or worked for me called me on it. Yeah, they're like, listen, if you want to make the decision, then why why you let me make the decision? I'll get out of your way. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's just self awareness. Yeah, I had to do self reflection, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a very different leader now than I was ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so when around this idea of leadership and being ready as a leader with the experience you've had, the people you've encountered who weren't ready as leaders, why weren't they ready? What's the most 
common reason people just aren't ready to leave. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say a word that, that people don't like, ego. Uh. <laughs> ego. When I see brands and I've been around folks and, and mentored some folks, um, I think you just have to check your ego at the door if you want to grow a business and be a great leader in a growing business. Gotcha. I just think you have to because if it's all about you, right, you're never going to be able to grow the business. Yeah. Chris, I can't believe we're already at an hour. I think we have you for an hour and 15, hour and a half approximately. Um, I I think we still have plenty of time for Q&A. Is there anything you have not gotten out up to this point that you want to drop on us before we take a break to thank our sponsors and go to the Q&A? No. I mean, listen, I think it's a hard call, right, especially in today's world and what's happening in today's world. I will tell you this. We're growing. Um, I have made a decision inside of our brand that, that, yeah, things are crazy. But we're, we're going to be opportunistic and, and grow the brand at the right pace. So although I think people are kind of afraid of what's going to happen, um, i just tell you from my seat and many of my peers, those that are smart, I think, are starting to be, again, thoughtful growing. We're not just shotgunning it, right? We're, we're using the sniper approach. But growth, you know, growth today, even in today's world, I think is a good thing and will continue to happen. I kind of feel like it's our civic duty right now especially because so much is crumbling around us i think we're all looking to the government to answer all of our questions it's like this is america you know like we we are like we we like we lead the edge you know i feel like we we're waiting for answers but i think we need to be forward thinking we need to be thinking about evolution how can we keep going given all this stuff how can we evolve for this current you know all the things all the things we can work on right now can still go on once the the like the world starts to kind of get back to normal, and you're just going to be that much stronger. Like we we can keep going forward, you know. I, I think so. So you know, for us, example, we hired 55 folks last, 55 new employees last week. That's awesome. I love it. You know, and so and there's people that need work right now. You know, oh, like, people that we for the 55, we received 500 resumes. Dude, that's awesome. Just think of that, yeah. right? Um, yeah. So. Chris, I've loved this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. What is going on, Unstoppables? I want to use this space to let you guys know what we got going on in Restaurant Unstoppable Network, or really just what my vision is for Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Uh, It's my way of living out the mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry, but I want to do it slowly. I want to do it high touch. I want to develop relationships. I want to go deeper. I want to make an impact. And I believe the way to do that is by bringing us all together. My most loyal listeners, my most most passionate listeners with this generation of leaders. So people who have had on the show in the past, people who are experts. I want to bring these people together, all of you together in one spot, Restaurant Stoppable Network, where we're going to share knowledge, where we're going to support one another, and we're going to transform the industry. So I would love for you to be a part of this. The way you join the network is by heading over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. When you join the network, you can create a profile. Uh, We're going to have weekly workshops. Uh, You're going to be able to not just connect with my experts, but every time I publish an episode on Monday, we're going to have our guest mentor, our restaurateur option into being able to do a Q&A reflecting on their episode. Really what we're doing is slowing down and getting more intimate. And I want you to be a part of this. And I'm encouraging you guys to to join early. The earlier you join, the less people that are in here, the more high touch it's going to be, the more personal it's going to be. Then over time, we're going to be just adding meat to the bone, getting incredible content, developing courses, partnering with different people in my network. And 
you guys will make this happen. Your support will make this happen, and I want you to be a part of it. So again, head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com, and I'll see you over there. And also, when you create your profile and you you join the network, I'm going to give you any at least a half hour of my time and up to an hour of my time getting to know you and trying to, trying to figure out how the network can best serve you. So again, one more time, restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com. All right, we're back and we're ready to do some Q&A with Chris Schultz and we're going to go to Diva. Diva, I'm going to unmute your mic and tell us who you are, where you are and what your question is. You are Hello, everybody. Yeah. Uh, my name is Diva and I'm right now in Florida. I'm originally from Colombia and I own a Mexican restaurant. Yes. Um, so um, in the part that we were talking about franchises and Eric was saying that, you know, he doesn't agree in uh, franchising because you can like lose your core values. I definitely agree. Uh, I'm a person that I'm not into franchises, but I see in places like Chick-fil-A, uh, maybe Chipotle too, that they're doing a pretty good job. Um, I don't know what they're doing, you know, to be so successful and uh, remind everybody their core values in their marketing and everything, but definitely it's possible. And yeah, just wanted to comment that. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a, a raised hand. I'm going to go to Greg. You're up next. Let me unmute your mic. You are unmuted. Go for it, Greg. Oh, wait, you're not. Uh, there right. you are. Can you hear me? Hi, perfect. So uh, my name is Greg Lindsay. I'm in uh, Northern Virginia, right outside D.C. I have a business called the Chewish Deli. Uh, so I guess my question for you, Chris, is, you know, Eric had asked what changed from when you were the leader you were 10 years ago <laughs> up until the leader that you are now. I guess I would want to reframe that question as if you look back to that 10 years ago, what would you have done differently? So what should somebody like myself just a couple of years into the business be doing to really set myself up for long-term success to be a leader that's ready to scale? Greg, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I will tell you what, if I could look back and give myself one lesson, right? Um, two things one is be humble be humble right i don't have all the answers and i really thought i did i thought i knew it all right because listen i was making big decisions and it was working and while it's working you remind yourself how great i am till you stumble and fail and then you're like whoa maybe that wasn't a good decision um and then number two was use my mentors more listen and use my mentors more get a get a more extensive mentor network um, when I really started to be ultimately successful whatever you define that to be was when I had a great network of mentors people that I could call that really had no no buy-in to me on a personal level right it wasn't about because they're my brother my cousin my dad they were people in the business or even outside the business well I could just call and they would they would tell me when I was making a bad decision and they had the wherewithal to tell me that yeah so for me, I think I really learned the strength of having a great mentor network. Um, and even today, there are times when I kind of know the answer, but I'm calling my mentors and checking in and just say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And, and there's been several times like, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're probably right. But they were willing to say that because they weren't my partner in the business. They weren't in the business. They were just outside looking in where I respected. I'm Okay, perfect. I'm Appreciate it. I'm a member of the sync called the Restaurant Unstoppable <laughs> Network. There's a pretty good 
good, pretty good group of mentors there. Yeah, that's totally right. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm bubbling on the inside right now listening to you say that, Chris, because like, <laughs> I need to be better about sharing my vision and what I'm trying to do here with Restaurant Unstoppable. And Restaurant Unstoppable Network is literally what you just said. And I realize that I can I can mirror my network for the rest of the, the, the industry. Like I have this incredible network of incredible people. Chris, you're absolutely one of those people, and that's why you're at the top of my list to come back to, to – but like that's what the idea is. Like, it, like if – if you're listening to this right now, Restaurant Unstoppable is literally my network. The people that have made the biggest impression on me, I'm going back to them to learn and to capture those lessons to share with the rest of the industry. It's so valuable. It's so important. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for talking about the importance of a network. Uh, and before I, Mike, I see you with your hand up. Thank you very much. I want to compound off of what Diva mentioned earlier, using Chick-fil-A as one of those brands that's been able to maintain their, their values and their, their culture and scale crazy big. And she said, what's, what's different? Like, why are they doing, but she used them as an exception from your expert perspective, Chris, what is different about Chick-fil-A? What are they doing yeah. really well? That first off, it's very kind to call me an expert. Um, I'm just, I'm just the restaurant operator. You're very um, honest. Listen, I, I think that uh, listen, Chick Fil A is Haley's comment, right? If you if you use Chick Fil A as any guidepost for anything, you're making a big mistake in the restaurant business, right? They're a once in a lifetime Haley's comment. It, it the brand, the concept. I mean, the whole thing just took off, right? Um, Almost like Five Guys was first to market, right? With with the with the gourmet burger concept, right? But Chick Fil A's again, Haley's comment. So I have a hard time ever correlating anything Chick Fil A does and, and trying to go, what what are they doing now? I know that they're incredibly thorough with vetting franchise potential franchisees, even more so now because everyone wants one because they know the financial benefits of getting them. Um, but you know. I, I think if you look back at their history, right, they were very thoughtful. They went in to build a, a, a brand that was going to be franchisable. So they built the systems and the infrastructure that they knew were, they, they could then franchise. Fairly simple, right? Yeah. To franchise, you have to have really documented processes because you're handing them to somebody and saying, go execute this, right? Um, and if you know anything about Chick-fil-A and the way they do things, right, they're very thorough in everything they do. Um so I think it's hard to compare those guys to anybody in the in the business. Um, you know, I think you use Chipotle, Chipotle the same way, right? But again, very thoughtful. A lot of company operated stores, majority company operated, right? A minority franchise because they still, you know, you, you want to be careful that the tail doesn't wag the dog, right? Kind of where McDonald's has gotten to a little bit, yeah. right? Where there's so many franchisees that ultimately, you know, the franchisees run the business or. God forbid, Duncan, right? Duncan's 98% franchise. Wow. So who really runs that business, right? Um, so you're absolutely right. Chick-fil-A is, is unbelievable. I'm not a big fan, but um, they're, uh, they're an unbelievable success story. I mean, one thing that's just coming through my mind, reflecting back to what we discussed today, using our conversation to reflect on what Chick-fil-A has done, I think immediately to infrastructure because their concept is so simple. It's so streamlined that I wonder if early on when they were first getting started that because that process was so simple, so easy, they just had more bandwidth to work on the culture and communicating the culture. And like, we only have so much bandwidth early on when you make your product one, like when you make, when you only have like five options 
on a menu and all those options are the same thing, but just a different variation. Like how much more bandwidth do you have to do the yeah. other stuff, the cultural stuff, right? Yeah. Just I mean, listen, I, I, we produce at Voodoo, we produce 51 SKUs, 51 different donuts, right? I, I don't know how I would train somebody to do 51 different donuts, a franchisee, right? We're going to pare it down, but we're, we're kind of complex. Right. And yeah. you're absolutely right. Chick-fil-A is. And listen, I'd love to peek behind the curtain. I, you rarely ever see anyone from Chick-fil-A on podcasts, speaking at conferences. They're they're rather guarded on what they do. Um, and rightfully so. Listen, they've won the chicken battle. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what is the other? Canes is right on their heels. Yeah, Canes is. And Dave's Hot Chicken now. The hot chicken is, is kind of flying up, yeah. right? Um, I got but, you. You know, listen, they're, they're all chasing Chick-fil-A, yeah. right? I'd rather be the lead dog, First right? Market. Otherwise, he looks the same the entire time. So yeah. everyone's chasing them. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got Mike. I see your hand up. I'm going to unmute your mic real quick. Unmute Mike's mic. Go for it, brother. All right. Hey, thanks. I'm Mike Sweetman. I'm from uh, Marshall, Minnesota. I have a location in, here in Marshall and one in St. Peter, uh, Minnesota as well. So my question is, uh, for any advice on how would you handle, you know, my, I just opened my second location in December. Location number one is killing it. Location number two is not so much during these times. Uh, any advice on keeping your eyes on the prize and trying to keep growing, even though location number two, you know, maybe isn't performing to the level that you would like it. Yeah. Mike, you look like it's some beautiful weather in Minnesota, by the way. It is a um, beautiful day. It's hot. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 listen, I think that uh, as I talked about, um, I've opened a few of those clinkers, right? Um, right? I think the reality is you have to go back and, and, number one, invest a lot of time to understand why. A lot of time, right? Is it the location, right? Is it the location? Is it, is it the experience? I'll tell you what I've found many times. If it's not the location, it's the experience. We've hired folks in that we thought we were going to deliver the same experiences as our first store, and they're just not, right? And, yeah. and customer intercepts, Yelp reviews, right? We've done all of those. I've done a bunch of those, especially in underperforming stores, that try to figure out because if it's a bad location, it's just a bad location, and you're and it's a different focus. In. It's marketing, try to drive trial. All those things if it's a bad location. If you thought it was a good location and it seems like the traffic. And then I also do a really interesting thing is I watch the businesses around me, right? So if the businesses around you on that store two is doing well, what what's going on, right? What's happening? Is the execution, although you may think the execution is right, there's something there that's not happening. Because you know the brand works, right? Right. Um, and so, and then sometimes when you have that, you just got to say, okay, I'm going to lower the threshold on what I expect out of that store, right? And then just move on. But I, you know, I've, I've been known to change out leadership fairly quickly when we open a new store. If I think the location's great, everyone around us is doing great, and it's just the leadership in the store, because we know that, right? At the end of the day, it's how good, a, how good a store manager or whatever you call them, unit manager, how they're conveying the message. Um, I know that's not the perfect science, but right. it, it is. Yeah, there's no perfect answer. but Yeah, there isn't. There isn't. 
Are the Yelp are the Yelp reviews good? Are you getting good feedback to the customer? Yeah, reviews are great. Actually, I mean the team over there is phenomenal. Um, Do you think yeah, the location's I mean, an issue? I think uh, location might be. Um, I think the town it's it's kind of a about thirteen thousand people college town, and the college Got has it. really never been in session there. And we're kind of a college friendly yeah. place where college kids like our food. Yeah. And uh, with those college kids having been gone for almost the entirety of the time we've been open, it's been tough to to get new customers to actually come in. Yeah, yeah. You know, just they, and what I to also do is try to continue to motivate the team inside the store, right? I've lowered the threshold and said, listen, it's here's where here's where, here's the ballpark you're playing in now, because we got to keep you motivated. Because the kids are going to come back. You know, it's going to work. It's right. just a matter of waiting it out. And the yep. people behind the counter knowing it, we're going to wait this out. It's it's going right. to happen. It's yeah. a matter of yep. happening. Don't go to sleep on it. No. Yeah. So and so they don't lose the enthusiasm, and so they right. start providing you know poor service or poor product or poor execution because they know they're slow and they're like eh you know so it's easy to fall into that. Yeah, it's I, super easy. I had a professor tell me once that all a leader is is a is a dealer of hope. You know, and I think it's our job right now to remember that, that that we it was a professor Adam Mazer, Adam Mazer, um, uh, Professor Mazer. It was stuck with me forever, um, and I think that we have to remember like like there's a lot of despair out there right now, but we need to show them like, hey guys, if we can ride this, you know, if we can weather the storm, uh, and we can get we can be strong through this, like the market's gonna be ours. Like there's gonna be so much market like there's gonna be so much opportunity on the horizon if we just can weather that storm so i don't know just a thought yeah it, 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 and sorry just to you know one little point on that i know we're, we're running late but um so immediately following this call i have a zoom call with all of my managers throughout the country we do it once a month right every message i share with them every single time i walk through the business high level but i also thank them for allowing me to be a leader during these difficult times i thank them i thank them for the opportunity to to follow my lead to believe in me, to and I and I remind them we're going to get through this, right? And it's an hour-long call. I spend way too much time on it on Zoom, but I can see all their faces. Um, but I just continue to reinforce we're going to we're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. We're going to be okay because we're just getting all the you know all the news and everything else. And I think that's important for all of us with with our teams, right? And I've got teams in Denver and Austin or in Houston right now where they're starting to flood, um, and so I just got to remind them. Right, we're gonna get through this. You guys will be great. Let's just keep going. Beautiful, um, Chris. I know uh, you got a busy day ahead of you. I don't, I don't want to uh, abuse your time. Uh, do you got time for one more? Or do we need to wrap up? Sure. All right. Yeah, Please. one more. One more. All right, Adam. I'm coming to you, brother. I'm gonna unmute your mic real quick. Where are you? There you are. You go for it. Uh, so this is Chris. How are you doing? I'm uh, Adam in Maui right now. I'm uh, been basically a director of operations for the last ten years. I have a question about it. Kind of flows into some of the things you talked about about uh, really coming down to being a good leader and um, and knowing when to delegate, etc. How do you how do you help people make decisions, or how do you guys make decisions about when a concept is ready to grow? Because I think a lot of leaders, as you mentioned, are getting to this like two or three unit level and thinking, God, there's so many more places where, you know, this restaurant could be better. It's like, I always want to get to that next step where, where this is where we are now. Um, 
or once we get to this level, then we'll be ready to grow again. What are some of the the signs you see, or or maybe even some of the things that you you say, hey, we're never going to be ready. Um, I know this isn't as good as it could be. Um, to kind of say, okay, we're still going to grow, even though we know we have to be better in this this and and, and this area. Yeah. So, that's a great question, and, and thanks for asking. And, and I'm jealous. I'm sure you hear this all the time of your location. Versus, I'm in Portland. Um, so <laughs> a couple, a couple, a couple of reality checks on that. Um, so for us, at least for me, when I look at our brand and when we're ready to grow, when we talked about all those, right? Do we have the culture carriers? Do we have people? Do we have people? If we have people, and are we? Are we, are we going to stagnate some of our, our great leaders because we're not growing, right? And if we are, we need to do something to make that happen. Otherwise, we're just going to lose them and we'll have to retrain a whole other group. So for me, that's one of the drivers. The other part for me is when you look at that full economics, and I use that term a lot, but the economics of the, of the unit, right? And you can kind of track where they're at seasonality, right? You kind of say, well, you know, we can look six months back. We know. We have this kind of normalized sales, right? For me, it's super important, right? I look six weeks back. I can tell you what we're going to do on Tuesday at one of our locations. When you start to normalize that, you start to feel like we got a pretty good handle on that. And you have the people, culture carriers, and you have people that are stagnant, right? That's the time you got to force yourself to just get off the dime and make a call, right? You just have to. One of the other things I've always done is I've, I've actually gathered a group of what I look upon is, again, culture carriers, managers, employees, and I've held an open forum with them, and I've asked them, what do you guys think? What do you guys, here's where I'm at, here's the concerns I have, here's the thoughts I have, bring them in the loop, right? They'll tell you, well, no, we're, you know, we've got, but I think the more you can include those culture carriers in those type of decisions, the more bought in they are. They, you listen, they don't even know how equity works, let alone giving them equity. They just want to be a part of something bigger. So I think that's the thing to walk through. And then, and then at the end of the day, you know, it's fear, right? You just got to jump off and go. I'll tell you, every time I sign a lease for a new store, I break out <laughs> my wife, like she thinks I'm crazy. And I've signed, I don't know, 400 leases in my day. And every time I just signed one last week for a new store, and you'd have thought I had, my wife was like, what's wrong? I was sweating and I was like, I'm like, she's like, you're just, I, you're already good at the vending. I'm like, I know, but I'm, I'm committing ourselves to 10 years, right? And I know the brand works, but I'm like, oh my God. So at Voodoo, when we grew, I had the very first new store we opened, I had all the managers sign the, sign the lease with me. So they were all bought in for growth. That's a good way to get people to bought in. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Chris, I've loved this conversation, man. I want to respect your time. I want to make sure you can get to the next thing you're committed to. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to make sure you give us a chance to um, know how we can best connect with you. I know you mentioned Voodoo is growing. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this. Uh, look, you're the average of those you surround yourself with. I know Chris is great at selecting people. If you join the Voodoo team, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great people you can learn from. So if you're interested, if people listening to this are interested in joining your team, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so uh, you can email me at chris at voodoodonut.com or you can call me 425-372-6556. Call me. I, what, either way, I'm more than happy to take any phone calls if you're looking for advice counsel if you're looking for a job maybe i can connect you with somebody 
I'm, I'm more than happy to, to, to do anything at all for, for your group. Chris, you're the man. Thank you so much. And thank you for everybody who uh, was able to show up and ask your questions and uh, be a part of this mission of sharing knowledge and, uh, you know, bringing the industry together. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. We can wrap it up there. I'll say what I say to all my guests. Chris, there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Oh, Eric, thanks so much. You're very kind. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation with Chris Schultz from Voodoo Donut. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming back on the show for a third time to really let us pull back those layers and dive deep into that experience you have. And uh, man, there's tons of great stuff that came out of today's chat. I thought one thing that was really interesting, uh, something we hear a lot about on the show is when you're scaling, you have to kind of look into the future and build the framing of your business for like, like you got to project into the future and get that framing put in place so you can scale into that framing of your business. But one thing I never really considered is you, you don't want to get so far ahead that you're taking on too many liabilities. You want to find that balance. You want to prioritize. What do I need right now? You want to at least get down on paper that the big picture and have that vision of what you're going to frame into but how can you prioritize? How can you create a sense of urgency for certain things and scale strategically and wisely so you're not taking off more than you can handle? You're not biting off more than you can swallow. So um, I thought that was really interesting. And I also just love this idea of scaling for the right reasons. And it's those who, those who are scaling to create opportunities for others, not themselves, that always seem like they go the furthest and they, and they, they, they grow the strongest. Um, they have those roots because they, they took the time to develop their people and grow their people before they grew their business. So I just love that Chris reinforced that today. And guys, if you're enjoying these live workshops and you want to join the conversation live and ask your questions and pull back the layers I didn't pull back, here's how you do it. You join Restaurant Unstoppable Network. You be a part of the change. You, you, you join the conversation. You have access to other passionate, driven restaurant tours looking to learn from the greatest. And you get not just the support of these mentors I'm bringing on the show and direct access to these mentors I'm bringing on the show, but you get access to all these other people who are trying to do the same thing as you. And we're only 30 people deep, or I think actually, I think we're almost close to 40. It's, it's, we're getting a few people coming in every week. And the, the more people that get into this, this network, the more valuable it becomes, the more diverse we become, the more tools and knowledge and experience we all have access to the more people join the network so come hang out come join the network next week we have Ari Wineswag coming on the show to talk about anarchy and business so make sure you head over to restaurantunstoppablenetwork.com to be a part of the conversation all right guys until next time peace out